Hey, this is Rachel, and welcome, 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 welcome to the Live with Rachel. To the Live with, to the Rachel. with Rachel. Rachel. Rachel podcast. 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 Welcome to the Live with Rachel podcast. Hey everyone, it's Rachel. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you have joined me today. Last week, I talked about, in general, how to deal and overcome temptation. And if you didn't notice from how fast I was talking, I enjoyed it so much that I actually wanted to go more in depth on it. So specifically, I want to go more in depth with the area of boundaries. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be learning about how to have stronger boundaries better boundaries. When I was in high school, I wish that I had someone to teach me the importance of boundaries and not giving up on your convictions and how to actually stand up for things like that. I really feel like when I was in high school, if you had boundaries, you were kind of teased about it. So I think that also applies to today's society, like right now with today's young people who are in high school, because I really feel like they're almost peer pressured to just be okay with anything and everything. And if they aren't, then they're just lame and they're to be rejected because they're weird. So I really feel like there is a pressure to not have any standards or preferences. And and honestly, it's a shame. I think that being a person of conviction really shouldn't be anything to be teased about or embarrassed about because integrity and honor are traits that deserve to be upheld, I believe. So I'm starting off right out of the gate of this episode by saying to you, to the person listening, do not allow shame to tempt you to do something that you don't want to do or to be someone that you don't want to be, especially if it's just because everyone else around you does it. So please hear my heart on this. I really hope that you feel encouraged today with this episode that having boundaries, having strong boundaries is okay. In last week's episode, I actually shared the story of Samson and Delilah from the Bible in Judges chapter 16. Um, And if you're unfamiliar with that story, basically Samson was the strongest man on earth and he fell in love with the wrong woman. And in the end, she tempted him, seduced him and then betrayed him, which led to him losing all of his strength and to having his eyes gouged out. (laughs) So if you haven't listened to last week's episode on dealing with and overcoming temptation, definitely pause this episode and go check out that episode first because this episode is definitely a sequel to that one, I think. So in that episode, I provide more practical ideas with overcoming temptation. But anyway, in Judges chapter 16, verse 15, Delilah says to Samson, how can you say you love me when you don't mean it? You've made a fool out of me three times. And if you still haven't told me what makes you strong. Just really quickly, though, on a backstory between Samson and Delilah, basically Samson was this really strong guy and the Philistines were his enemies and the Philistines were asking Delilah, hey, can you figure out what the source of his strength is so that we can remove it and we can overcome him? So Samson Samson starts messing with Delilah, telling her all these lies about, oh, this is the source of my strength and if you get rid of this, then I'll be weak. And every time she tries whatever he says, he overpowers what she has done and proves that he's still very strong. And it's quite clear to the reader that, you know, Samson, my dude, why are you still with this woman? She's clearly trying to make you weak so that the Philistines can overcome you. Why are you even with her? She does not have your best interests at heart. But nonetheless, 
Delilah eventually wears him down and tells her the truth and that leads to him legitimately losing his strength. But before we really get into that, let's go back a little bit. So it's during the period where he's just messing with her, saying, oh, yeah, this is this is how you get rid of my strength. And eventually, this is, this is in verse 15, she says, how can you say that you love me when you don't mean it? You've made a fool out of me three times, and you still haven't told me what makes you strong. And whenever I think about this verse, I just think how ironic that question is. She's saying, how can you say you love me when you don't mean it? When literally a crowd of men is outside waiting to defeat Samson, they're waiting for her to figure out a way to defeat Samson. And I just think it's so, so rich. How can you say you love me? Well, you're literally trying to destroy him. So who are you to even ask that? It's it's ridiculous. So the reason why I bring that story up is it's a classic example of what falling into temptation looks like, and that's why I bring it up. And because of this, I definitely think one of the reasons why we give in to temptation and sin, other than the fact that the world around us is doing it also, so it must mean that it's normal, right, just because everyone else is doing it. But Really, sometimes we believe that the temptation or the sin is just who we are. It's just, it's part of our nature and this is us, which is actually really funny because the Bible says that Satan is called the accuser and he accuses us all the time and he tries to convince us that we're no good. So, you know, God doesn't want us, we've gone too far, so why should we bother trying to be good because this is just who we are and this is what we need to fill the void. So, as an example, we could be enslaved to porn or anger, envy, materialism or serial dating or constant shopping or maybe sleeping around with every person who just gives us the attention that we want. Satan can convince us through shame and self-pity that we are whatever it is that we're trapped into believing, and it's just so not true. So let me encourage you today by saying that when Satan comes to accuse you again, and let me just say really quickly, these accusing thoughts that you may be having, anything that you might be able to relate with with what I just said, they might look like intrusive thoughts. They might be thoughts that just pop up in your mind randomly and you're thinking, where did that even come from? Well, from the Christian perspective, we call that Satan because he, like I said before, is the accuser. He is the, the prince of lies. He just lies all the time. So yes, let me encourage you today by saying that when Satan comes to accuse you again, whenever you have those really random, bizarre, accusing, intrusive thoughts, this time actually have an answer to those thoughts. Have an answer to those accusations. I don't care if you feel like a crazy person, but if you need to say it out loud, then say it. If you're a Christian, the Bible says that you are not who you used to be. Your sins have been nailed to the very same cross that Jesus was nailed to, and that's exactly why he came. He took your sins and he paid for them with his own very life. And by doing so, your sin has been cancelled and it no longer rules over you. And you can say something like, I don't care what you say, Satan, but in Jesus there is now no condemnation for me, and God has actually given me all that I need to resist you and to resist temptations. So because of that, I will not be put to shame. So I 
know that might sound weird or crazy to some people to talk against those intrusive accusing thoughts, but really you need to think about what you're thinking about. You're the one that's in control of your mind, of your thoughts, and you're the one who has the say on what you allow into your life, into your thought life. So, okay, having stronger boundaries, let's go there. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, it says this, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who is given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves but to God. He bought you for a price, so use your bodies for God's glory. Also, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 17, it says this, Put on God's armor now. Then when the evil day comes, you will be able to resist the enemy's attacks. And after fighting to the end, you will still hold your ground. So stand ready with truth as a belt tight around your waist, with righteousness as your breastplate and as your shoes, the readiness to announce the good news of peace. At all times, carry faith as a shield, for with it, you will be able to put out all the burning arrows shot by the evil one. And accept salvation as a helmet and the word of God as the sword which the Spirit gives you. So that's what the word says about having stronger boundaries. Most people aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but it's something that God has personally dealt with me in my own life. So I'm going to share it in hopes that it will be an encouragement to others. And if you don't agree, that's fine. Just please don't hate me for having my own opinions. (laughs) I'm definitely a firm believer in the fact that we can teach people how to treat us. And in high school, when I dressed like an emo kid, people were taught to be scared of me. And they were because I looked horrified. I had really dark, heavy eyeshadow and eyeliner. I wore black all the time. I kind of spoke really uh, abrasively and uh, full of cross. So if that leaks out every now and then, that's just because of my history and I definitely apologize. But the point is, I my demeanor and how I dressed and what I put out into the world that's teaching people how to treat me and that's I wanted people to take me seriously through fear and that's what I got back but later when I dressed from the business section of Target if you haven't heard my previous episodes on my testimony and this is all new to you and so random definitely listen to that it'll make a whole lot of sense but basically I used to dress from the business section of Target and people took me even more seriously because I look like a little businesswoman. (laughs) But now my style is a lot more relaxed and casual. And I'm somewhat of a curvy girl and when God convicted me of my own personal modesty values and convictions, I actually started to dress a whole lot differently. Personally, I try not to wear like any spaghetti strap tops or strapless tops, no deep v-necks or overly tight clothes or, you know, really drastic crop tops. I mean, like I'll wear a loose boxy crop top, but Anyway, basically just nothing that would really show off my cleavage a lot or show off a lot of skin. And then on my bottoms, I try to steer clear away from things like bodycon midi dresses or skirts, just anything really tight and form-fitting. I I mainly just stick with an A-line or a skater-style dress or skirt. And yeah, again, just I can't emphasize enough, nothing too tight. It's just very uncomfortable. (laughs) I do love jeans and shorts, though. I really want to get on board with Bermuda shorts which is those shorts that go at the knee but I'm kind of short and they kind of look weird on me so I still wear 
shorter shorts, but I don't wear booty shorts or anything tiny like that. Just I really feel very uncomfortable wearing things like that. I want to move freely and I want to do things that I want to do without worrying about, you know, am I flashing anyone? But mainly the point of it is I just don't want to feel like I'm being inappropriate. I just definitely feel like there's a time and a place for all different kinds of clothes and I personally feel that showing off a lot of skin should be reserved for the special person that I'm married to. But anyway, what I'm saying is is that I learned a very long time ago that my actions speak louder than words. And even if I never intend to get the attention of the guys or whatever, like with how I'm dressing, the guys can't avoid noticing me if it's right there in front of them. And I feel like that's just a fact. If it's right there in front of them, they're going to see it. I remember the first time that I went in public wearing something that I would consider modest for me. It was a long-sleeved, round neckline, it was a midi dress, and it covered everything I felt I didn't feel comfortable showing off in public. And at that point in my life, I used to, I was very used to guys staring at my chest rather than my face. Um, but for the first time when I looked at people in public when I was wearing this dress, the first thing that they would look at was my face, and they would just politely smile and keep walking. And I felt like for the first time I felt respected because the first thing that they were looking at was my face and not my chest. I was seeing for the first time how presenting myself a certain way sent a non-verbal but very clear message to men and other people about how I wanted to be treated. And it was a very empowering feeling and it just really encouraged me to want to dress this way even more. But again, though, I just really want to emphasize that the Bible doesn't tell you specifically how how long or short a skirt or a dress needs to be and everyone's convictions for modesty and how to dress will be different and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you need to start dressing a certain way. I'm just sharing my own convictions so please don't come away from this episode feeling like I'm judging you or anything like that because I'm not. I'm just sharing my story. The only thing I do have to say about modesty is probably this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what I mean by that is imagine your friend, for example, is on a diet and she needs to lose weight for something very important coming up. And, you know, this is her goal that she shared with you. She wants to lose weight. However, you personally love dessert and you eat dessert daily and you insist to your friend that she needs to eat that dessert with you and you end up making her feel bad for, for some reason because she's not wanting to eat the dessert with you. Or, or another example would be imagine your friend's dog has just died and she's very sad and she's very upset, but you're sending her photos and videos of your dog being cute all the time. Now, in both of these situations, do you think you're being loving towards your friend or are you being selfish? Now, I know that this next part is probably going to be very unpopular, but if for example, we know that men fall in love by what they see and women fall in love with what they hear. And if we also know that godly men are trying to honor their wives by not eyeballing other women and godly women are trying to honor their husbands by not having constant private conversations with, with other men, then in light of this, if, as women, we insist on wearing clothes that really show off and flaunt our bodies that are super revealing, are we acting lovingly or selfishly? 
Now, I'm not a man, but if you keep talking to that girl, even though you know she has a boyfriend or a husband, and by constantly talking to her, you're making her feel super cared for, heard, spoken kindly to, you know, maybe she's not getting that from her husband, but, you know, you're giving that to her, but you're not her husband. Are you acting lovingly or selfishly? Because in my opinion, it's, it seems like you're trying to steal another man's woman. And men and women, I think we should just all be asking ourselves, would doing this action be a loving expression and not causing my fellow brothers and sisters in the faith to stumble and fall? Now, that's, that's all I'm trying to say. I just want to emphasize, one day all of us will lose our figure. It's just a fact of life. And our skin will get wrinkles and lines and maybe sun damage if you don't wear SPF. And when we die, our bodies just turn to dust. And you know, that's a shame. Our bodies don't last. They're not built to last. But you know what will last? A godly legacy of integrity and honor that you teach to your children and your grandchildren. So again, remember, you can teach people how to treat you. Okay, so moving along. Other than your outward appearance and how you act, sometimes the people you hang out with can undermine your efforts to have stronger boundaries. I'm a firm believer in being responsible for your own actions and not blaming other people for them, but also I think we need to try and make sure that other people take responsibility for their actions as well. I remember back when I was a youth leader, I would see well-meaning girls start to dip their feet into the waters of dating and they would try to find a guy that they liked or they would consider dating. And when I would talk to them, their hearts would be in the right place and they would say they want a Christian guy with the same values, someone who enjoyed being with them and make them laugh. They would assume that they'd be on the same page with the guy and that there would be no pressure to act any other way than just be themselves. However, later down the line, it would become very clear that the guy's intentions were mostly sexual and the guy would try to encourage the girl to do things that she knew wasn't right. She would talk about her boundaries and the guy would just nod and agree, but then act the complete opposite. And over time, the guy's actions and words would just wear her down. And from the outside, it seemed very clear that the guy wasn't reading the Bible as she was. He wasn't going to church. He didn't really have any other Christian friends that kept him accountable and just things like that. And then she would start to complain and say that she didn't see this coming, which she genuinely didn't because when you fall for someone at first, I guess you're really super attracted to them and you just see past your flaws and you've got these rose tinted glasses on and you only want to see the best. And, you know, maybe you believe that they'll change in time, but then they don't. And you just end up seeing more of what was hidden in the first place. Anyway, I would see this and I would end up seeing the relationship go two different ways. Either the guy would pull her down and she would lose her convictions, her faith, and she would end up being a lukewarm Christian, or sometimes she would just walk away from the church and the Christian faith altogether. Or they'd have some kind of messy breakup that's just filled with blame about who was in the wrong and who hurt who, and both of them would just be filled with embarrassment and shame anyway. And obviously, this situation can go either way. It's not just the guy and the girl. It could be, you know, you can swap the genders, obviously, because I've seen that happen as well. 
So either way, I think it's obvious to see that it's really important to be able to see clearly who is good company and who isn't. I think it takes valuing yourself too much to be totally taken advantage of and convinced into completely abandoning your morals and values. When you spend time with a person, you're giving that person a gift and that's called your presence. I know it sounds arrogant to some people, I completely know, but if you're a Christian, you have the heart where the Holy Spirit makes his home in and your head is the mind of Christ. So don't fall for people who don't see that and don't see your value. I remember in a past relationship, whenever my ex would say or do something that compromised my moral values, I would firmly reject it, quite passionately, I suppose, so much so that I remember one time um, his sister was like, wow, you're really up yourself, aren't you? And I just said, nope, I just know what my value in Christ is. And I really think that there is a difference between confidence and arrogance, and I think that it's this. Confidence is the feeling of self-assurance that comes with an appreciation of who we are our abilities or our qualities. Because God's word says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. And there's another verse where it says, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Because God is the lover of our souls. So in that, you can be confident. Arrogance, however, is the exaggerated sense of our importance or our abilities. And arrogant people talk about themselves a lot. So Definitely seek to know the difference. So ladies and men who are listening, people who value your body more than the real gift on the inside are bad company. Bad company corrupts good character, the Bible says. So I definitely encourage you to have great courage and integrity in this area. Determine right now today that you're not going to just give away the gift of your presence to anyone who just wants it. You're someone to be treasured, no matter what you think about yourself, no matter who has told you in your life that you're a nobody, that you're not to be treasured, that you're not important. You are, because God's word says that you are. God himself created you. So protect yourself, protect your mind, protect your heart and your body. I said this last week, but I really want to say it again in this episode also. Just remember that if you're a Christian, the Bible says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and your heart is God's dwelling place. As a believer, you have the mind of Christ and your words are instruments of his wisdom and to be used as an encouragement to others. The Bible also talks about putting on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, which I just read earlier. So put that on and vigilantly guard your body, your heart, mind, and mouth without apology or compromise, because then you'd be well on your way to reaping the benefits of having stronger boundaries. Now, I know that everything that I was talking about in this episode may sound really intense to some people, and I completely understand that. But I also want to encourage you and help you to be aware of the fact that our pluralistic society these days is going to try equally its hardest to try and knock you down, try and knock your convictions out of the water and try to tear you down so that you will conform to what their image is, to what their version of acceptance and coolness is. So please, I encourage you, do not buy into that lie. If you're a Christian, you are a child of God and we are to obey what the word says, not because we have to do this out of legalism or duty or anything like that, but you are a child of God. You love God, right? And God loves you. So we should be doing this out of love and not obligation. And that's what I'm really trying to encourage you about. Have stronger boundaries so that if you're a Christian, you can further the kingdom. 
And that's all I'm trying to say. So with all that being said, I just want to end by saying thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that it was really useful to you and that it helped and that encouraged you to have stronger boundaries. And also, if the podcast is useful and helpful for you and you are enjoying it, then I would love to invite you to share it on social media or to share it with a friend even. If you do, please make sure to tag me so that I can see it. And if you're not yet subscribed, please just let me take this opportunity to invite you to do that as well because you'll get notified whenever I upload a new episode. Thanks again for being with me on this journey as we are both learning to live rich and full lives in the light of God's ways and truth. I will see you next time. Bye!